contemplating the, the way it is, the, the Dhamma, the truth of the way it is, the created and the uncreated, Anicca Dukkha Nata, there is escape from the condition the created, the born originated, because there is the uncreated, unborn, unoriginated, these are reflections. The way it is, and we reflect on the way it is as we experience it in the present. But, but when I say this sometimes, the way it is, people think it, think I'm just kind of, re, it's a kind of passive resignation. It's like saying, oh, that's the way it is, but it's a, there's a kind of, you know, judgment in it. You know, if something's wrong or something's not going right, well, that's the way it is, is a, a kind of dismissal because you, you just don't want to be bothered. But... This, uh, that's, not, that's not contemplating Dhamma by just dismissing life or just using the way it is as, as just a, a kind of perfunctory statement of kind of resigning yourself to misery. It's not meant to be that. It's a, you know, the state of awakened awareness is not a sleepy, dull, passive state of uh, cynicism or negativity. The Buddha's not asking us to, to just say, oh, so it is. Uh, you know the world. Uh, but at this moment, it, it can only be this way, kind of, like, like right now, whatever you're experiencing. It can only be the way it is at this moment. And you say, I don't want it to be this way at this moment, is, is then you're creating suffering. So even if you're absolutely miserable at this moment, you say, I don't want to be absolutely miserable at this moment. That's, you're creating, you're compounding the suffering in the present. Or you say, well, that's the way that everything's miserable. Just resign yourself to, um, to misery. That's what, it always ends in death anyway. <laughs> that's not reflection. But just, just contemplate, this contemplation. Uh, at this moment, it can only be this way. How can you say, I want it, you can say, I want it to be another way, but in terms of common sense, it can only be like this, because this is the way it is at this moment. It's not saying this is the way it's going to be forever, but at this moment, it's like this. So reflection on the present, you know, is it's the, just noticing it's like this. It's not critical, judgmental, but it's aware and it's intelligent. It's an awakened attentiveness. It's very intelligent, wise. But it's not making any kind of value judgments about the way it is. It's just noted it's like this. If there's pain, pain is like this. If there's emotional stress, it's like this. If cold is like this, or heat, or itching, or anguish, or grief, or dullness, sleepiness, whatever it is, pleasure, pain, neutral feeling, breath, the body, posture, sound of silence, like this.
So in the Pali language you have the word like Dattada and Dattakada and this, 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 this kind of word, Dattada, is uh, the way it is. It's the, the suchness, as isness. Uh, translated sometimes as suchness. In a Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu Watson Mohi, so he's Benyang Niang, the way it is. One time he said, if, if you were going to be isolated on a desert island for the rest of your life, what would be the most useful thing to have with you? He said, a little, he said, uh, he said, a little medallion with the way it, that's, this is the way it is, written on it. <laughs> like in uh, community life, isn't it? You, like in monastic life, like the Amaravati, there's a strong kind of demand that everything be harmonious. We want peace and harmony. We want, we want a harmonious community. You get these whingers, you always know, say, we want harmony. No, <laughs> <laughs> so that that you know, they, they, there's a kind of demand that this idea of being, because we think if everybody's harmonious, then we won't be threatened and we won't be upset. And this idea of a perfect community, utopia, where everybody's just perfect. Everything is the way it should be, but not the way it is. I remember when I, I used to be president of the Buddhist Society in London, and the Buddhist Society was renowned for its acrimonious meetings and, and different factions digging their heels in. And, and one person said, you know, I became a Buddhist because I thought Buddhists would be different. <laughs> When I first went to Wat Bapong years ago, I, you know, the the, the 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 kind of honeymoon period of my monastic life with Ajahn Chah, the, uh, I just was, you know, uh, inspired. I was in, full of this inspiration, and uh, this is the perfect monastery. This is what I've really been looking for. You know, people practicing, good teacher, everything's just right. You know, kind of. You know, I wasn't, uh, everything seemed to be, you know, harmonious and this, I found it at last, the perfect place. And after a couple of years, it started, you know, I began to be aware of a lot of things were changing, a lot more monks coming, uh, there were increasingly more problems. I began to see certain kind of degenerating tendencies things I didn't like, I began to get upset and uh, and carry this around. So I went to Ajahn Chah and I started, to, you know, I thought he didn't realize what was happening. So I, <laughs> I better, better tell him and my duty to inform him. And he, so I told him, you know, about all these things I seen going wrong and he says, that's the way it is. <laughs> he says, you know, things change. So I, I couldn't intimidate him or get him, you know, I, what I was trying to say, you know, you've got to do something about this. I want you to make Wat Ba Pong like it was when I first came, you know, then, then that was how it should be. It's changing now the way I don't like, and uh, I want you to change it back again. But what he was pointing to, well, he wasn't defending it, 
or saying and making any judgment, but pointing to the, the the experience of change rather than to a standard or a how thing, how it should be, or a, a golden age of the past, or getting uh, you know wound up about the fact that maybe the monastery is not so not as good as it used to be, but it but it is the way it is. So this is really impressed me because because my nature was to think you know you've got to you know you've got to kind of reach this peak this perfect state and then kind of do everything you can to make it stay there and, and a, a good abbot of a monastery is one who's continually kind of looking around any signs of degeneration and then Immediately, anything starts going off, you immediately prop it up again or make it right. But Lung Po Chao was more, you know, was a wise man. So he's letting us see, letting us observe change rather than perfection. So contemplate this, and, and because this is the way things are for for us for human beings, isn't it? There's no way you can hold on to the peak moment, to the best, and sustain it. And the more you try, the more suffering you'll have. You're doing something that will only, you know, create more suffering. Which doesn't mean you just let everything fall apart, but when it's time for things to fall apart, your position is one of, of awareness rather than of anger, resentment, fear. And if these emotions do arise, then, then your relationship to them is awareness rather than uh, grasping, believing, or trying to resist them. This is when I say trusting in this awareness. Because it, it's the common factor under all conditions, whether things are going up or going down, at their peak, at their nadir, at their things are harmonious or disharmonious. like reflecting on the way it is, uh, harmonies like this, disharmonies like this. It's a knowing when, when, when things are harmonious, it's like this. It's like feeling warm, content, like this. Disharmonies like this. But the ability to, to know is your refuge. You know? So you're, you're not being caught in attachment to disharmony or to harmony, the, so that you have a way of of uh, learning from both.
Notice the effect when people, when, you know, when you read the, in books or hear teachers talk in very authoritative ways and kind of pronouncing, making pronouncements, you know, categorical imperatives. So you have, you know, like you've got, before you can ever get enlightened, you have to have this. Or you have to develop uh, the jhanas before you can ever possibly have a reflective mind uh, to do vipassana. Or you have to um, do this before you can do that. Yeah, there's one, you have to develop a strong and healthy ego before you can let it go. And notice that that kind of, and this coming maybe from people in authority, and just notice that this is a very, what this does, you can reflect on the effect of, of this on the mind when, when a very strong uh, character, an authoritarian figure, an expert, uh, makes a, a statement. So, so you know, it's not that it, the statement's wrong. You're not, they're trying to figure out whether it's wrong, whether whether that person is deluded and wrong, or reflecting on just the power of, of somebody saying something in great confidence that maybe conflict with something you, you've been told by somebody else or you believe in. Just, so that like reflection is just noticing. It doesn't mean agreeing or disagreeing. So a few years ago there was a big Big argument going around the Paticca Samuppada, the dependent origination. And uh, there's, there's this, some, some people think that this teaching is based on three lives theory. If you read it in Visuddhimagga, it has this connotation, it's about previous life, present and future. And that's the correct interpretation. And then there's another interpretation that it's all about uh, uh, arising in the present. Everything arises in the present. So, I mean, so the whole thing is about whether it's a, the present moment or it's a three-lifetime thing. And so one monk very strong on it. It's three lifetimes and it couldn't possibly be present moment. That's totally wrong. That's, that's uh, heretical. That's one Then you that's a, state, a powerful statement. Very authoritative, very confident. And then another monk would say, no, it can only, it's only useful if it's about dependent arising in the present moment. So then, then you get into an argument. And the letters were being written trying to prove their points, quoting scriptures. And, each one could prove their position by quoting scripture. <laughs> so, so much for the scriptures. <laughs> but the, the direct, the direct uh, path is, isn't taking sides, but just noticing. Just how powerful statements affect the mind, or throw you into a state of doubt, or, or irritate you, or you feel, how you feel put down, or you feel oppressed. Just to notice the, the, the emotional, oh, this is sensitivity, isn't it? Some kind of strong statement can really kind of, you can feel really kind of demolished by somebody's the way they say something to you. So, in reflective awareness, you're, you're aware of, of just the, how, how you hear things and the effect it has on the mind. So you're actually looking at the way it is, 
what's actually happening, you know, feeling of if somebody, if, if somebody's saying something you totally agree with. You feel, oh, somebody agrees with me. Or if somebody says something that you don't agree with at all, and their authority, they can go into, maybe I've got it wrong, or they're all wrong, or maybe I'm wrong, or maybe they're all wrong, or who's right? I think I'll spend the next five years learning Pali so I can translate the scriptures from the Pali directly so I can figure it out all for myself from the scriptures because sometimes the English translations aren't that accurate. So I'm going to spend maybe five, ten years just learning, perfecting my Pali so that I can interpret the dependent origination teaching for myself without <clears throat> having to depend on uh, maybe not so accurate English translations. Or is it, is it more just the direct awareness of this, wanting to be right, not be get the confusion is like this, feeling put down is like this, irritated is like this, disagreeing is like this, agreeing is like this. So you're, 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 this uh, attentiveness is is your refuge rather than a position you take for or against teachings or doctrines or ideas. Then there's uh, the opinions about whether Buddhist monasticism is relevant to the time. Modern in America, here some people think Buddhist monasticism is no longer necessary. You don't. Other, and if you're if you're a monk or a nun, then you you tend to feel threatened when somebody says. Buddhist, if you devoted your life to Buddhist, to being a Buddhist monk, invested your lifetime in Buddhist monasticism, then somebody goes around saying, "We don't think Buddhist monasticism is the is the right vehicle for the present age." And you feel, <laughs> they've got it all wrong. Or then maybe I could come across saying, well, Buddhist monasticism, you know, I can make a defense for it. I can, I can make a good case for the absolute necessity of Buddhist monasticism uh, at this time. Convincing case. Oh, my, you know, that, that's, that's done through, through, you know, making good arguments and and uh, quoting scriptures and all that. <clears throat> but the direct way is to just to, to observe, you know, how, what holding to views is, what, you know, and the attachment to a view is, you know, and somebody uh, has a different view than what, what is the, what is, what is, what does it feel like? What it happens emotionally? So being a monk, when somebody starts denouncing monasticism, if I'm attached to monasticism, and I have a view about the importance of Buddhist monasticism, then, uh, then I can feel annoyed, threatened, indignant.
all the people who think Buddhist monasticism isn't important, and I say it is, it's absolutely essential, and how do they feel? You know, it's a matter of, of it's not a matter of taking sides, but of this direct practice, the way it is, It's that direct. It's not. It's not. A, it's not roundabout. Well, you don't have to believe something in order to, or you know, to uh, you, like with the, the direct practice. You're not operating from a position in any way. You, you have no position. There's no metaphysical doctrine that you start from. So, just just using the the noble truth of suffering, isn't it? You're starting not from a, any view about suffering is that it should or shouldn't be, but just noticing the way it is, because it's it's an existential reality for all for all of us. You could say there shouldn't be any suffering. It's not fair. It's not like asking, you know, this moment to be something it can't be. So suffering is like this. Dukkha, understanding suffering, is opening the suffering, willing to willing to experience, willing to suffer, in order to understand it. And then, as you you see the 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 the, the suffering that is caused through grasping desire and realize the cessation of suffering, then you you increasingly develop using wisdom in the present moment. So all the views and opinions of the Buddhist world or anything else are. It's all grist for the mill. It's all part of the practice, rather than having to decide which view is the right view and which view is the wrong view. What is what is heresy? What is uh, orthodoxy? Taking views about Mahayana or Theravada. All that kind of thing is this, and as the Buddhist world manages to get itself wound up with taking sides, but is that what the Buddha was asking, or decide whether we're going to take the Bodhisattva path or the Arahant path? And what do you feel like today? Today I'm going to do bodhisattva.
So the way it is is using everything that learning to to pay attention and, and even when when everything is just feeling dull or just depressed or you don't want to practice or you feel fed up with Buddhism or those are all states too that you can observe in that you think I don't feel tired of being a Buddhist I think I'll go back to Christianity that's a feeling too now you just putting your trust in this attentiveness to what you're thinking or feeling rather than than grasping it When a monk wants to disrobe, it's, uh, they refuse to observe that feeling, most of them. <laughs> I think, just observe the feeling of wanting to disrobe. <laughs> Never seen one actually do that. And I want, maybe those are the ones that stay. <laughs> Using the sound of silence helps to establish that that attentiveness. That that is like a, a a kind of when you detect the nod of sound, it's like that's the limit. The mind is is receptive. It can't get beyond that. It's like you. You can you can you can suppress it by through tranquility through say concentrating on on a refined object. <clears throat> but in, in so you kind of focus your attention on something else. But it, if you just uh, rest in the state of pure attention, then that's that. This is the way it is. A kind of continuous um, stream, sound of a stream, audible stream, it's called sometimes. Sound stream. So that's a that's something that's really useful in in knowing when your mind is you know receptive, open. Because if you if you're holding to an idea that you've got to be receptive and open, and you've got to you know really be mindful, you can be trying to be mindful, and uh, you know so you're trying to be mindful. You've got an idea of, of that you should be mindful, and you're trying to be mindful, but you're not mindful because you're operating from ideas about mindfulness. Say, so, got to be mindful. I'm trying to be mindful. I'm really trying, <laughs> but you're not mindful until you're aware that you're trying to be mindful. <laughs> so it's not a matter of trying; it's just being, isn't it? It's not not you don't. 
become mindful, you you be that this way, the, very direct, just being. It's like switching on a light. You know, you just switch it on, you don't try to switch it on. Sometimes we, we mistake mindfulness uh, get, uh, with concentration. So if you get concentrated, sometimes you're not mindful. You get fixated on something and you're not aware of anything else. So this is why the Buddha put the sati as a faculty, the kind of the the uh, central point. Because right now, it is the balance point in the present. It's not a matter of trying to be mindful, but of just learning to be this way, just pay attention, wake up. These are the, the words of Buddha, the awakened, the awakened one. Now, in the awakened state, then this not a sound is evident. There's a kind of humming, electric sound in the background. So then, that's a that's the sign that you, your, your mind is in it. it the, the, it's, at its mindful, it's kind of empty, mindful presence. So that's very, is to, to affirm this for you, so, so that you know, try to have confidence in this, because it's easy to go back into doubt. You go ask some other teacher, they, oh, he's, you know, that's Tomato's trip. <laughs> and you go into doubt again. But just you know, this is something to try to try to uh, you know prove for yourself. I'm not asking you to believe me at all. Don't believe me, but just just see if, if you know what happens when you do this when when this sound is present. And then at first, is the mind is, doesn't rest there very easily and for a while, and you know the the thoughts come in, and one gets moved into into conditioned realm again. But but uh, but then it's, it is a it is a place that you can remember too, the remembering it, and really learning to say sustain 
a kind of resting, a, a relaxated, a relaxation and a resting in this silence. We're just the count of five. I found just using uh, counting with it, so that, that just uh, so that I get used to it, because emotionally we're not used to this kind of thing. Emotionally, we're we're programmed for other things, not for tranquility or peace or the unconditioned or anything like that. We're programmed for kind of going up and down with making value judgments, looking for the best, trying to get away from suffering, trying to make everything right, worrying about the future thinking about the past. So it takes a while to get used to this, that to, this is, to me, this is really peaceful. But peace is not, I'm not used, you know, emotionally I'm not, I was never programmed for peace. The programming was around uh, achievements, success, finding happiness, seeking exciting things to do, interesting lifestyle, uh, trying to become something, uh, or uh, around, you know, resentment, wor- uh, worry, um, really feeling, you know, feelings of inferiority or rejection, discontentment, complaining, whinging, grumpiness, jealousy, envying people. That's how my, my emotional nature was, was conditioned for all that. Competition. I was emotionally conditioned to be competitive, to compare myself with, them, with others and with high standards. So that's the conditioning of the mind. Uh, and this, this sound of silence, uh, Overlooked by most people, it doesn't seem like anything. Just a kind of buzz in your head. That's the unconditioned? Gone. <laughs> what a disappointment. <laughs> I thought the unconditioned was going to be really, you know, something the best. Uh, But don't go around thinking that is the unconditioned, because then you, then you put a label onto it. It's a matter of not for making pronouncements, but of, of awakening to it. You know, just that at- attention to the way it is. So it works in that role. It's a continuous sound stream background. It has no boundary. You can always refer to it. And then an, an attention on that does not cut you off from the rest of life. It, it, it is like it, it gives perspective on what you're feeling, on your own thoughts, your own habits. That's not judging, saying, making value judgments about you as a person and what you should or shouldn't be. It's, but it, it offers perspective on those habits of you making judgments about yourself. And if, you, if you learn to trust it, then you, then you can even hear yourself going around making judgments against yourself. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be angry that kind of thing. You can hear yourself thinking that or feeling that in this emptiness of the mind. 
So it's perspective, isn't it? You, it's not 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 uh, blotting out anything, but it it gives it makes makes it come to life, so you can really see the the delusions you're creating around yourself all the time. You know that you think or that you really have never seen that clearly because you you have no perspective on them. You merely indulge or suppress them. So in, in reflecting on like emotional habits that arise during this retreat, uh, determine to stop making any judgment about it. Just know the way it is. Just feel it. So if you're feeling angry or resentful or whatever, kind of determine not to judge it. We just feel it, it's like this. You know, so you're accepting it. As soon as you start saying, oh, here I, I, you know, I'm getting angry again, or I, then it's, or just the way we can, we can kind of add to it with some kind of judgment against it, or against ourselves for feeling like this. And, and it's just, it's learning to stop doing that, that you don't, don't add anything, but just, Learn, just trust yourself to just feel what, what it is. It's like this. So then, then you have a way of, of, re, of, of, of seeing it clearly and then letting it go. Letting it be what it is and it naturally goes. Nature is to cease. Those emotional habits are not absolutes. And they arise, they cease. But if you keep judging it, and then you keep adding to it all the time, then it just gets complicated. So, oh, here I go again. Or, oh, not this again. Gwendolyn, what are you doing? Oh, not that again. <laughs> I thought I got rid of that 33 years ago. <laughs> Not this again, or I don't want that. that. Then you're adding to it. But if you add to it, then then see that also. This not wanting this emotion, or not wanting this thought. This, then that's the way it is. But, but this this it's so immediate that that that, that it, you know it's the uju patipano. It's very direct. So. And, 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 and at first it's quite, we're not used to that 
being direct like this, but it, it is encouraged to, toward this directness. They're just, and it's a matter of trusting yourself more to just observe without, I mean, it's not necessary to comment or, you know, to, to make any judgments about it. So even if it's completely nasty and sickening, don't even say that. Nasty and sickening, because that's a judgment. But it, if, it, if that's what arises, then it's like this. And you suddenly you realize you can, that you can bear this. You can accept this condition because it's what you're not. It's, it's anatta. It is what it is. You're not trying to pretend it's something that's not, it, but it is exactly this in the present. And in, in that reflection on it, then, it, then you're accepting it, understanding that, letting it be what it is, then it, it, its nature is cessation. So you don't have to kind of make a big deal of it or make it into a problem. You can use it. It's, uh, it's developing the path, the middle way. It's use, using these things for the path rather than seeing them as things that are obstructing, your, obstructing you.